It's True Geordie podcast special, and this week we have something good for you. So many people have been talking about the times that we've had the Wolf of Wall Street, that's Sean Atwood, on the podcast. And so we put together like a a best of sort of thing. Um, There's three parts from all three of the episodes, which will probably make you want to go and listen to the rest. So either go back in the podcast feed, download them again, or hit up the YouTube channel and take a look there. All the links are in the description for this podcast. Here comes the first clip for you from podcast number one. Good debut. How did you find success in life early on? I just, growing up in the Northwest, in a little town called Widnes, mm-hmm. chemical manufacturing, didn't have much money, but I got interested in the stock market at age 14. Unusually, teachers giving me classes on my own, explaining how to read the Financial Times. What made you think about that? I watched that movie, um, <laughs> Greed is Good, Gordon Gecko, Wall yeah. Street. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, you know, this is a way I can make millions and live this, you know, big life. And I was just dazzled by the American scene because I'd visited as a, <laughs> as a teenager. You get off the plane in, in Arizona, you know, the, the heat hits you. You see all the swimming pools in the backyards as you're coming into land. I'm like, no, this is paradise coming from Widnes. So it's true. You must, yeah. have, you must have been like an entrepreneur at heart, though, because not many 14 year olds are thinking about the stock market out there. What was I your... was. I was an entrepreneur because at school before that, in at the dinner hour, I'd run to the shop, buy loads of sweets, go back, sell them for twice the price of the kids, get dinner vouchers, <laughs> eat, eat my lunch for the dinner voucher. <laughs> that is, but that is that is one of those things a lot of people say they would sort of be doing those entrepreneurial things as a kid and sort of finding ways to cheat the system in a way, but also you're almost like Robin Hood. There, do you know what I, I mean? haven't got any meal on my face, have I? No. No, I had All right, okay. just Key had question. Key question. Okay. That, not the best question I've yeah, ever asked. Sponsored by McDonald's. Um, <laughs> so wait, you went to Arizona at 14? No, no. At 14, I started to do economics in my high school. Yeah. The teacher explained to me how, how the stock market worked, how to read the Financial Times. 16. What's the Financial Times? The Financial Times. Right. So, what? What? Why, why are you? Why are they explaining to you how to read the Financial right, Times? Right. He was like giving what's... me. I was so interested in the stock market at this young age. He was giving me classes on my own. Okay. Oh, so he must have thought you were gifted, did he? Yeah, I yeah. guess something like that. And then at sixteen, I borrowed fifty quid off my nan, doubled it in BT shares, and that was it. And I was telling all my mates in my little town, "I'm going to America. I'm going to make a million. I'm going to fly all you guys over." He's done it, and I still am questioning whether that's a good idea. Yeah. And Do you so, know what I mean? what, at that age, what were your yeah. parents saying? And why, and why is your nan giving you 50 quid? Did you, like, she believe in you? Or was I it went just... to my dad, and he was a Labour supporter, and it was Maggie Thatcher's privatisations, and he Ooh. told me to bugger off. Touchy yeah. subject. Yeah. yeah. So, I knew my nan voted for Maggie. Really? So I hit my nan up and wow. she gave me the 50 quid. So basically it was her, it was your grandma's neoliberalism which ultimately helped you out, is what you're saying. You laugh about it now, but you know, she was a serious financial forecaster, wasn't she? Yeah, she's Bloomberg in the witness area. And then once all the other family members saw the profits, they all started to jump on. Sure, but yeah. even then your dad's still going. Oh. So, well, I mean, we, we had a, a poker player on a, a while back. It, it does seem like you are... When you're playing the stocks, it is a gamble. Yes. It is a bit like that, isn't it? And you're betting that money that the stock's going to rise. But you, is it true that nobody really knows what's going to happen? Or, or do you have tips and tricks that you can pick up before you put your money down? Okay. We were in a unique time in England in the stock market back then because all of the major companies that the government owned <laughs> were getting sold off. Yeah. Mostly to banks. So they were selling them dirt cheap at the taxpayer's expense. That's well, That's why nowadays um, there are a lot of people calling the banks banksters yeah. because of the way they've ruined the economy. Yes, right. totally. And this was when it was happening. This is when they were originally selling big companies off, British Gas, you know, the telecom. National Rail. And I, Yeah, exactly. So I jumped on that. How, how old? <laughs> when, when, and as a teenager. Uh-huh. To be fair, everyone else in that area is probably going, fuck this, I can't believe what's going on here. And you're thinking... It's going to make me rich. This shows 50 pence. Mm-hmm. You buy it at 50 pence. The next thing, it opens at a quid. Mm-hmm. It's not You've hard, doubled your money. It? Yeah. It's not hard, yeah. And so at that time, why had you seen that? How had you seen that? How had that come around? Because it's not usual for a child to go down the route of thinking, oh, stocks and shares, that's amazing. It's, it can't just be you saw a movie and went, I'm going to do that. That's hard to get into as a 14-year-old. I had this entrepreneurial spirit, and when I did economics, something just clicked in my head about the stock market. I just got this unnatural attraction to it. 
And you understood the sit, how it worked? Well, I didn't know, but I got so obsessed. I had the teacher give me these lessons and I went down the library and I ordered loads of books on the mm. subject and just started reading everything. Because I've got this manic energy that I just throw into something if I get Do you feel, for it. looking back now, because there's times where I look back on my life and it was almost like... Uh, YouTube was like almost telling us like because every time I ended up doing a job it was YouTube was always there in the background for some reason and I'm like was that was I meant to end up here doing this and do you feel like it was like you were just meant to do that at that time in your life I did at that time yes Mm. yeah and I still watch it to this day yeah Yeah. it's in my DNA you just can't help yourself now I can't help myself Mm -hmm. we'll get on to do, do you still dabble? No, you because to I, dabble? I, my time now is fully occupied as an author and a public speaker, mm. so I don't really have the time. And you're not ever tempted to get back into that? I will down the road. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you ever need any business partners, we're, uh, we trust you what you're saying. <laughs> you know we'll I mean? be your new grandmas. <laughs> um, and so when did you go to the States the first time? All right, I'd visit as a teenager and, you know, the plane's coming in and you, you see, you're looking down and you're seeing all the swimming pools in the backyards. And as soon as the girls hear your accent, oh my God, you know the Beatles, you know the Queen, you know, all this kind of thing. Yeah, so they yeah. wrote the red carpet. Thinking, you know, just from being a plain person in the UK, I've got it made here. But you do, to them, I guess you look and sound like Paul McCartney or like. Well, <laughs> it's, John funny, it's funny you should say that because to get in a club in America, you've got to be, I think it's like 21. My aunt changed my date of birth and my passport, took me clubbing. Brilliant. And she was introducing me to all these American women as Paul McCartney's nephew. Brilliant. So that went to so my head. It does seem a lot like your whole family's a bit entrepreneurial in that sense. Your <laughs> aunt's like, what's aunt, this? Aunt, Paul definitely. McCartney's they're nephew. They're certainly willing to bend the rules, that's for <laughs> <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> so where, where, were you, where were you going as a young kid? Arkansas, did you say? No, Arizona. Arizona. That's yes. a, oh, so you went to come visit your aunt in yeah. Arizona. Yeah. yeah. And that's why you were in Arizona, which isn't the most usual place to sort of visit for a holiday, is it? Not for an English person. So English was scarce. So we had this scarcity value. Yeah. So wherever you went, people were really friendly to you. Yeah. yeah. You were novel in that sense. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that must be quite an experience as a young teenager. Well, I was a shy teenager. I had the usual anxiety and stuff like that. And um, to go there and then all, all of a sudden, you know, get all this attention, it just goes right to your head. And then did you go to university to study or what happened I went to that? uni at Liverpool, did business studies. And that was around the time the rave scene started in this country. So that became my other passion. Okay. Oh, that was your other passion, yeah. yeah. Partying. Partying. Now you're talking my language. In Liverpool. Yeah. yeah. Well, At that time. It, it, was, it was Manchester went off, I think, and Liverpool around the same time, London. Who, what was the... Was this around the like, train spotting era? Were you, were you a bit older than that? Or? We're talking like 1989, 1990, because in 1991, I went to Arizona and permanent. Right, okay. So, yeah. so you were on a... You, you that was when that. club music was at its absolute peak. It was, it was almost house the hipster. Scene. It was news yeah. headlines constantly. Shows the young people breaking into warehouses, yeah. uh, plane hangers, police chasing everybody. And, and you were part of that? I was part of that, yeah. What was that like to be part of? Well, before that, to get in a club, you had to dress in a suit and tie, and the bouncers come out, left you in the queue for ages, looking down at you. People were sick of it. And this new style of music just came along, and the kids could just wear whatever they want. All these psychedelic clothes, baggy jeans, sneakers, and um, getting chased by the police you know, in these convoys on the motorway, and it was just a buzz. Mm. It was like a revolution in music at that time. Yeah, and, yeah. It, and it was sort of a reaction to what was going on politically as well at that time, really, totally, wasn't it? Yeah. Everyone was so yeah. grey and bland and boring. We yeah. haven't really had anything in this country since then that was like that. I think people have sort of jumped on hip-hop in a similar way. But not, in America, but not in this country. Obviously, culturally, it doesn't... Grime music, maybe, you could argue, or something like that, yeah. maybe. But I... Culturally, it hasn't proliferated the mainstream as much as that maybe did. The biggest revolution in music before that was probably punk rock. And then you had all the soccer hooliganism after yeah. that. But then all the ecstasy heads started going to super clubs from all these little towns and hugging each other. And yeah. the soccer hooliganism <laughs> went down. Yeah. So, so free love came so, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you obviously discovered the music, discovered the new scene, and you discovered drugs yeah. in with that, yeah? Yeah. What was your first experience with drugs? All right. I had anxiety and it was compounded because I almost got beat to death um, as a teenager when I went to fill up my mum's little red car petrol just past my driver's licence test and some drunk started picking on me. Mm. Thought it was brave to stand up to him and um, he was kicking me in the head, hit me in the face with an iron bar, knocking pieces of my teeth out, basically left me for dead. So that compounded my anxiety. And then when I went to a rave for the first time, took ecstasy, all that stress and tension that I had just melted away because before that I wouldn't go up and dance I was too self-conscious wouldn't go up and talk to women 
won't talk to strangers. I'm on E, I'm smiling all night long, hugging people, meeting mm. women, and just making friends with strangers. And, you know, it just, I just got totally immersed in it. Yeah, I think a lot of people, when they first have that experience and they have got all that pent up shit and it just goes, they are likely to try it again after that, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I got addicted to the lifestyle yeah. and that feeling. And the drug? They say that drugs not the drug it's actually, not actually, not yeah, actually it's not addictive. Itself, yeah. But I did get addicted to well it, by the end of it when I was running this ecstasy business I got addicted to the attention I was getting the ego, the money I was making the fast cash, um, just the lifestyle playing cops and robbers you know avoiding the cops the buzz off that the adrenaline high. So there's a number of factors if you've got a propensity towards addiction like me that that that, that stimulate that. Yeah, and that must be. So, but early on, obviously, you don't know that. You're just taking oh, drugs no, in the club. As a yeah, kid, yeah. No. And as a, as a kid, you're just taking drugs. Your experience and all of this, and it, it's all melting away, all that all that pent-up shit, and you're dancing the fucking head off, and you're enjoying life at this point, For 10 you? years, I didn't think I was an interesting enough person to be around unless I was high. But you're always chasing those early highs. You solved that problem, mate. <laughs> <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Not exactly in the conventional way, but yeah. <laughs> but that must be... So you were you were not insecure, but sort of quite an anxious person. I was, I, I was insecure as well if I okay. wasn't on drugs. Yeah. You self-conscious in... I feel like I've met a lot of people who are a bit like that, though, where until they have an alcoholic drink, even sometimes that... There's a few lads on who you like. You need good four treble vodka Red Bulls in before you have a chat with them. Do you yeah. know like is yeah. they're that type of person? They don't feel very confident. For it takes them a lot to. But then once they're they're there. You can't stop them. Yeah, they're on the yeah. dance floor and yeah, yeah. come down. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Stop hugging all those. That's women. a police yeah, car yeah. you're on top of. Do you yeah, know? Yeah. It yeah. is a bit like that with some lads. So I feel like I I know that person like that on type. drugs exactly. There's a lot of people out there like that. So by day you were studying money, business, economics, those sort of things. Was that um, through those that decade? Was that in, you were still interested in that? In, in the beginning in Arizona. I got work as a stockbroker. Okay. And if you've watched Wolf of Wall Street, you know that's just glorified telesales. Why did you choose to go to Arizona? Sorry. Because of my aunts. Okay. So you were staying with her. As, as a teenager, saw the, the you know the sun, the, the, the swimming pools, the size of the houses, the roads, the cars. So that was going to be my mecca. And but not because traditionally, financially, it's New York, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Why not New York? And I wanted to be an investment analyst, and right. New York was the hub for that. So for all right, just to get me started. I'll, I'll, I'll go as a stockbroker because there's a big stockbroker community in Arizona because there's a lot of money there. Okay. So I had to call 500 numbers a day, commission only at first, wasn't making any money. It got down to the point where I was living off cheese on toast and bananas and I thought I was going to have to come home. I was living off my student credit cards. But five years in then, you know, I was I was the top guy in the office, grossing half a million. Wow. Got my own staff, secretary, cold calls, and I had enough money to to retire from that, basically. But I continued to trade um, the stock market online during the dot-com bubble. What, that, what time are we talking here? We're talking the late 90s now, and that was how I made a couple of million. Okay. Yeah. And you just traded your way up? Trading my way up. And yeah. what kind of things were you investing in at that time? The biggest success I had was in an Indonesian satellite company obviously called Pacific Satellite Non-Satra. And I bought 30-something thousand shares around $5. That one alone went up to over $50 during the dot-com bubble. And I had, other, I had other shares as well, a lot of technology shares. And so that was, would you say that was your speciality, was technology, the technological side of things, investing in technology companies? Technology and biotech have got the most volatility. So okay. if you're a risk taker, you can make the big bucks if you know what you're doing. My specialty is a form of investing called technical analysis, right. where you look at charts and volume patterns and you kind of try and recognize surges in trading volume that indicate insider buying because mm -hmm. the insiders know what's going to come. So if you can piggyback that and a stock's trending up above its 150-day moving average and you've got all these other green lights... You jump on. You've got your probabilities narrowed right down for success. So you're basically banking on people was people doing something illegal and benefiting off the back of that insider, insider trading. Insider trading is illegal, but no one hardly ever gets You can't get it. caught for it, basically, yeah. So every now and then they make an example out of someone, but it's so corrupt out there. So how does it. it feel when 
you put all the eggs in one basket and, and you see it taking off and you're thinking, oh, fucking... It's almost like you're watching a horse race, you know, and you're seeing people going crazy. Are you watching those numbers going up and just celebrating, like, fucking... I moved, I moved into a, a gated, guarded community into a million-dollar house on the side of a mountain. I married the woman who was doing lesbian internet porn. We were just getting limo rides all over the place, pissing the money away. Throwing after parties for days on ends for my mates, just giving them all free drugs. That you know, just just went completely out of control. Look at his face. That, um, <laughs> if I make it big enough on YouTube, there'll be videos of that coming. But there's a few things. There's saying. a few details in that story that you want to. Pick she, out she doesn't have to be a lesbian porn girl. She can just be a porn girl. I'm not that picky. But what? What? Now that's one thing you dropped in there. That wasn't your first wife, though, was it? I had three wives. Yeah. Was it not all at the same time? Obviously. <laughs> not oh, at the same no, time. No. Don't. No. I thought that was Charlie Carella. I thought you were about to explode then when you wrote that one out. So uh, when did you go Mormon? When did you get your first wife? When I moved to America, I met a woman in a bar, a Korean woman, and um, I was actually being sensible. Now I was off. I was off the drugs for a period, and I was looking to just build my career. And she asked me if I would come over to her apartment the next week and and help her move a piano. Sure. <laughs> I didn't know what that entailed. It wasn't, it wasn't Yoko Ono, was it? No. <laughs> I didn't know what that entailed, but I My went over. My husband's just died, and uh, I've still got this fucking this piano. This fucking piano. Yeah. Over there. I went over Paul, there. come over. You're like, I'm Paul not... McCartney's nephew. You sort it right out for her. She had this grand chung piano that wouldn't budge, but she'd cut the Sorry, nice... are you speaking innuendo now, or is this just a true story about a piano? She'd cut... Did you play her keys? She'd, <laughs> she'd cut the nice chicken curry. Started, oh, that's a good way to my heart. I started to go back every week, and that's how we got together. You play the piano, she took the, cook the curry. Yeah. But I thought I was set. I thought then that's it, the drugs thing was over. I'm married, I'm going to have a normal life. Mm -hmm. Until six months later, her mental illness came out. She her made, mental illness? Yeah, she said, she said, look, I'm older than you, I feel more comfortable if we got married. I said, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's do it. Didn't have a green card at the time. She was American. She was. She was. Uh, she, she had a green card. She was okay. clear originally. So I come home from work one night after we married. Shower curtain busts open, like in psycho. She goes, mm, trying to slice my man parts off with a Ginsu knife. Wow. Yeah. She. We got her on. I'm thinking, right. Every man in the room is just <laughs> looking <up. laughs> I figured you got married to someone. You got an issue. You love them. You got to work through it. Went to the doctor. He put her on Zoloft. Everything was fine. I thought it was over. A year later, a sister comes over from Korea. I'm working, stockbroker in the high rise near the top, living in this little building near the bottom. Three days later, I'm coming home from work. Sister's been cooking and stuff, and everything's been happy. Wife's got this look on her face, like she wants to kill me again. I'm like, what's the matter? My sister threw the medicine away. She said it was Western poison, and you're in a conspiracy with my doctor to try and kill me with it. Right. So. I'm like, no, no, that's not the case. She runs around, starts smashing everything up, throws plates at me. Plate smashes the jagged, at the coffee table glass into these jagged pieces. I've got to be up for work the next day. Five o'clock in the morning, I've got to be up. Six o'clock sales meeting. <coughs> Lock myself in my bedroom, leave them to it. Get up at five, wake up. They're asleep. Have my shower, have a piss, brush my teeth, get my suit on. I'm going through the living room, about to open the door. Wife's eyes just do the Dracula thing, bust open. She launches at me like a cat, mouth first, former man parts, misses my dick, bites a hole in my suit so there's cloth dangling off her teeth, starts to smash things up again. And I'm thinking, shit, what am I going to do? I've got to get to work. So I, I lock myself in the bedroom again, call the cops, and say, look, can you take my wife to a mate, um, one of her mate's houses? She's gone ballistic. I've got to get to work. Thought put the cops to some use. So they come out, two redneck cops, come out the bedroom. They're looking at my wife. She's lying on the floor, drooling, crying. A sister's knelt over her doing the sign of the cross, praying. <laughs> <laughs> These redneck cops are like, God damn, what's going on in here? I explained. This fucking guy. <laughs> I explained. She'd thrown the medicine away. They're all right, we'll take it to the friend's house. They leave. Thinking, all right, it's all over. I sit on the sofa. I always knew Yoko Ono was something wrong with her, honestly, I swear. I pick up the phone. I call the office, they're about to tell them it's, I'm going to be late for work. Front door bursts open. She's given the cops a slip. She comes running in, grabs the iron from the countertop. She's about to plant it into my skull. Wow. I've got just enough time to go like this and block her. She bounces off me, 
lands on the coffee table that she smashed into jagged pieces the night before, all the glass sticks in her and blood squirting out of her and the cops come running in. They're like, what have you done to her? So next thing, I'm outside with 10 cops in a circle. They're about to arrest me. Police woman comes forward. She said, no, he called this in so this wouldn't happen. Look at him, he's the victim of domestic violence. I had scratches all over my face, my neck, all my shirt was ripped, scratches yeah. all over my body. Well, she's just ran off after you. <laughs> that, the clue could have been when they lost yeah. a hold of her. She's, she's, uh, yeah. You're I'm getting, do you know how she's, did, did she look Asian, this woman? Oh, yeah, yeah, Korean. No, because no, I'm imagining, have you ever seen like, um, is it The Ring or those Japanese sort of horror films where they're like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, 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 ah. <laughs> 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 I tell you what, man, this is the maddest fucking podcast ever. How would you like a free case of craft beer? Well, as listening to the show, we'd like to help you out by giving you something from our friends at beer52.com. Just go to beer52.com forward slash true B-E-E-R-5-2.com forward slash T-R-U-E to claim your free case. Beer 52 is the world's most popular monthly craft beer discovery club, searching out incredible and exclusive small batch craft beers from the world's greatest breweries and bringing them back to their members. There's a whole world of craft beer out there and this is your chance to get on board with discovering it. Now, every month focuses on a new country or theme and... If you sign up now, you'll get a chance to try a case of the best British craft beers as part of their Summer Bangers collection for free. It's free. Did I say it was free? Featuring the country's best craft brewers such as Northern Monk, Red Willow and Thornbridge. I've heard of all of them and I've drunk a few of them. You'll be able to read all about the beers and learn more about how they're made in their 100-page ferment magazine included in the box. Now, like I said... As a listener to the show, you can try your case for free. Just pay $2.95 postage. That's eight incredible craft beers, ferment magazine, and a snack delivered with free next day shipping. It's really a no-brainer. There's no minimum commitment. You just take the free case, try the beers, and see what you think. If it's not for you, you can pause or cancel at any time. Beer 52 has a five-star rating on Trustpilot, so it's easy to see that their members love the service. Beer52.com forward slash true. That's B E E R 52.com forward slash T R U E. I tried a few beers in the case that came along free from Beer52, and some of them were really hoppy and delicious. The other ones were fun to taste, and there were loads of different styles and flavors. These really are delicious and definitely not the kind of beers you'd find in the supermarket. So it's Beer52.com forward slash true. Thanks a lot, guys, for supporting the podcast. One yeah. of my co-defendants was this guy called Joey Crack. Mm. That's a good name. <laughs> Ironic. Yeah. He was a really skinny dude. Like, had, a, had a kind of face shape of an Afghan hound. <clears throat> he was a, a big time meth user. I can see him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Painting the picture here. A few, a few of the meth sores on him and stuff like that. Big bugged eyes. Like if people wanted to test drugs... In a drug transaction, yeah. go to crack. It just crack. It take crack long as like a human drug testing kit. He <laughs> just get his syringe out, just slam it in his neck, and be like, "Yeah, that's good stuff." Wow. <laughs> so, that's so good shit. <laughs> so, um, when the Italian mafia were running stuff where I was housed, they had the beefs with the Aryan Brotherhood guys, but they took over, and I clicked up with the Italians. And they could move people around the jail and get. They could give you like whoever you wanted to be your cellmate. Yeah, that's good. And um, so they're like, "Yeah, we'll put some of your co-defendants in the same cell as you." And they put Joey Crack in with me as one of them. And um, he, he was off the. Well, he was on and off the drugs, but he was just lively anyway, even when he was high. So I was. I think I was like. I was writing on my little stool table combination in the cell. I'm in a 45 man pod. It's like one tier of cells upstairs, one tier of cells downstairs. There's a day room, there's like octagon metal tables bolted to the wall, all the racial cliques are downstairs. And um, so I'm just writing and, and then Joey Crack's like, yeah, I'm gonna pierce my cock. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Why is that? It's Friday. Yeah. <laughs> it's just usually the day I do it. How, how the fuck are you gonna pierce your cock in here? Cause I've got jewelry. He pulls out this little like metal metal bar thing. Small me, man. And he's like he's like, but I'm gonna, I'm um the holes that that it's it's gonna go through. We, we've got to we've got to bend 
the jewellery so that it's in this shape that goes through the holes in my cock so, so the jewellery's right so what is, what is theory to do this correctly is that he's going to get his cock out mm-hmm. with the jewellery in the cock now he's, 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 he basically comes out to the day room holding his cock with the jewellery in it and his cock's blood's just coming out of his cock mm. and he says to everyone in the day room I need help with, with my cock piercing the jewellery's straight and it's really hurting my cock right now and it's bleeding I'm going to put my cock where the door closes and someone's going to hold the door and slowly close it on my oh, cock good. and someone else is going to watch the distance no, no. that it's closing this around my cock much. to make sure my this cock a, doesn't get crushed yeah. doesn't get crushed best idea best idea this is, can I just say it right now for everyone watching this is my job yeah this is this is my job to hear about other men down, crushing their cocks we sit in down a every week and we, we talk to uh, uh, crazy people like Mr Atwood yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah amazing stuff this is ma- this is mad mate this is mad so a youngster called Sonny Slop was like yeah I'll help and Good. this other guy um, Waldo he came up and helped well, you found him <laughs> so we've got this operation going now what they actually went they're actually going to do the door thing, their, their idea. We're doing the door thing It's like thing a big now. prison door, I'm imagining. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is on the cell door. It's a very heavy weight it's metal a door. door. This is why all these people have ended up in prison, though. Because <laughs> at no point has anyone said, that's, that's lads, idea, what the fuck is. is doing? Like, do you know, this is why, no offence, I'm, I'm, I'm all about the fact that, you know, people are wrongfully in prison, but it's, this is, might be an indicator as, as to why, why yeah. these lads have ended up. I imagine the guards just going, one of them going, I'll go in and the other one goes, no. Let's see how this one plays out. It can't be me, yeah. you. Just, just, right. And then I'll go to you, 20 cents. Yeah, yeah. Let, him, let, him, let him try it, let him try it. I've got 20 on it, working yeah. out with you. I've got it in the spot. Of course, we get a great sign-up offer in prison. <laughs> click the link in the description yeah, click below. The link in the description. His dick's going to make it through this. It's seven to one odds, lads. 25 to one that his dick's going to fall off. Coral, right? Coral just couldn't be happier with yeah, the results know, yeah, here. To be fair. Uh, thousands, well, thousands of captive audience. <laughs> right. Here's what he said. Here's what he said. The dick off. <laughs> the dick off. The dick off. Hashtag the dick off. He walked onto the balcony, waving his red hands, dripping blood from his penis with an intoxicated look in his eyes. Look, fellas, I've put a bar in my cock, and because the bar's straight, it's ripping my cock apart. So what we've got to do, fellas, is I'm going to put my cock between the door and Mm -hmm. the wall. Mm -hmm. I want someone to put their fingers in the same spot because we need to close the door on my cock slowly and hopefully the door will bend the jewellery, yeah. but I don't want to completely close the door and crush my cock. So if one of you guys has your fingers in the same spot, we can judge how far we're going to close the door without anyone's fingers or cock getting hurt. Got it. Who'll put their fingers in the door and who'll slowly shut it? Did, and someone... And we got volunteers like that. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's going, well, I've got no plans for today. <laughs> just, uh, just saving the rest of me fucking oh, sentence. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. As the door was closing... The jewellery slipped twice. His penis almost got crushed. <laughs> it was it was hard for me to watch. I was like putting my legs no, together. I'm so, putting my legs together. So he's, watching, he's watching good. This is going to be great in the book. Yeah. Uh, it's going, sorry, can you just say that again? I thought you said you want to put your dick in the door. I do. Brilliant. This will be chapter. This is going in the movie. Yeah, this is going in the movie. After it had slipped two times everyone in the, the day room was gasping Tony yeah. two times is like I don't know if I nicknamed him yeah <laughs> the third time it bent the bar and Joey Crap was relieved he said that's fucking great my cock doesn't <laughs> feel job. my cock doesn't feel like it's being ripped apart anymore but Obviously. it's gonna hurt like hell when I take a piss yeah thanks fellas thanks fellas yep yeah, and everyone just went back to what they were doing normally. Exactly. Yeah, and if you want to pierce your cock at home, now you know. How. Don't forget down, to go downstairs to your mum and dad and try and get the heaviest door in the house. That's that's Joey Crack's. Uh, that's his big method. Yeah. yeah, do you know what I mean? The yeah. Joey Crack cock piercing method. Yeah, <laughs> always so. do it between the door. <laughs> just because, how long have we been going now, Con? Quite one hour fifty-five minutes. Uh, it goes fast, doesn't uh, it? Uh, it does, really mate. Especially with stories like this. The stun gun on the cunt. Um, <laughs> the stun gun on the clitoris, it's not a cunt in this. I mean, all right, can we just 
I just want to know about that before uh, we, you know, before we begin to round up. Yeah, all right, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. This this segues into Wildman as well because um, Wild you've Man. had some questions about Wildman. I've got shit loads more stories, but we're going to have to postpone. We'll do a third, mate. For okay. a part three. Okay. I think we'll do a okay. third. I we'll think definitely we'll do a third. We, love Sean. we could bring a, a kinky sexual situation into each one because we've covered one. Perfect. Brilliant. Um, all right. Now on to so, the clitoris. So, just a little bit of background on Wildman then for, for the viewers. Mm. Wildman was my, my right hand guy. Grew up with him as a kid. He was a couple of years younger than me. I hung out with his big brother and his mates, and they were mean to Wildman because his big brother led our gang he'd make Wildman eat dog shit he'd say if you want to join the gang you've got to eat dog shit and stuff like that and they'd beat the shit out of him and they did that he would eat the dog shit and think he was in the gang and then he'd, his brother would beat the shit out of him and this is one of the reasons we think Wildman became Wildman because of this, this, this treatment that he got from his brother and, other, and some other stuff he said he couldn't even take a wank without his brother giving him a hit around the head in the house wow so <clears throat> and there was Wild Woman as well wasn't there his, his girl oh yeah the Scouse girl plenty of stories about the Wild oh. Ones Right. Yeah. So. Um, oh yeah, the wild one. So I'm, I start to like, you know, feel sorry for Wildman getting beaten up, and I'm hanging out with him, and I take him under my wing a little bit. He's two years younger than me. It's a big difference, isn't it, at that age when yeah. you're just little teenagers? Mm. And all of a sudden, he just starts growing and growing and growing. Like he's 25, 26 stone right now. His nose is pointing over here and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And um, so we we become we become mates, and we're just bonding as as, as young people and stuff on on the streets of Witness. <laughs> And um, I t- I'm telling him and Hammy, my best two best mates in my hometown, I'm going to go to America and make a million. We go up this quarry called Pex Hill, and there's a tree called a Thinking Tree, and we sit on this tree, and I t- I'm telling him I'm going to go make and fly you guys over. So I did, you know, I went out to America and left them behind at that point because I didn't have any money, and it took me all those years to make the money. So while man over the years started to get in trouble with the police, Evening school, the teachers were so scared of him, they had him outside um, raking the leaves and stuff like that. They didn't want him around. And um, he, he, ro- he fought someone who had ecstasy and he tried to rob this person who had ecstasy. And um, he didn't, he did, this guy didn't have ecstasy. He, he ended up robbing like 10 quid off him. And he took it to the kebab house. <laughs> and then he got, he got done for armed robbery and he had, so he ends up in prison then. For a kebab. With some National Front guys, his cellmate, indoctrinating him to all the, the, the prison stuff. And um, so I'm thinking, all right, the way to get Wildman turned around, get him into America, and he'd be, he could be a wrestler, you know, that's a positive, he can channel his aggression into wrestling. So, so Did he like wrestling, or were you just thinking, I'm wrestler? Just thinking, I'm just in the dream world. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's off his tits on fucking MDM, and they go, oh, you'd be a great wrestler. Wild man, WrestleMania. Wild man, yeah. and, Andre the Giant. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 all over again. I'm thinking this is a business opportunity. Mm. Making a wrestler. Um, <laughs> so what I did was I thought alright we'll, we'll put Wildman in I'll rent a Wildman apartment right next to the Georgian Dragon British pub in Phoenix Arizona he'll go over there have a beer click up with the Brits and he won't have to roam around and he won't be getting any trouble so <laughs> a couple of weeks I'm going I'm working these long hours and then me and the woman the waterbed shooter <laughs> she's tall she's mixed race very exotic very pretty she was formerly Calvin Klein model she's got 150 silver bracelets on each arm she's very very unusual looking um, so we go to Wildman's apartment in, in the, at one night it's hot it's the desert you know you can hear the crickets chirping and stuff like that we park our car and we knock on the door and the door opens and there's a little Colombian dude <laughs> like where's Peter we don't want pizza. So, well, no, where's Peter? We don't, no pizza, no pizza. The next, I'm like, this is Peter's place, where is he? <laughs> the next thing, he opens the door, and there's like six Mexicans, and they let, it's like I'm trying to get in, and they all just pull the guns and point the guns at me. We don't want some fucking pizza, no fuck off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 I'm like, what the fuck, what have they done with Peter? They killed him, yeah. they killed him. So, the waterbed shooter, she's like, just walk up. Let's just walk away from him slowly backwards to the car. <laughs> don't don't say anything else. That's so funny. Don't. We'll just go back to the pizza place. <laughs> so, yeah. you, oh, you didn't order. Sorry. So yeah. we're we're backpedaling, right? Look at these guys with guns. I'm like, it's cool, it's cool. I'm just you know we're leaving. I'm not coming to cause any problems. Hearts, I'm shitting it. Wild man just walks over the road with a big smile on his face. Says, oh. 
You met you met my mates. You met my mates, la. That one's Alex. He's he's the head of the Colombian dealers in this area. Right. The others are his Mexican crack dealers. They like to move around a lot. <laughs> sort of rented on my place. Oh my god. <laughs> They're really impressed by how big a crack rock I can smoke in one breath. <laughs> They're giving it me to free to show off to the other clients, and so far I've managed to smoke a $100 rock in one breath. Wow. <laughs> You're telling me like, like I'm still even fucking shot by these guys, and this is like no big deal to him. Mm-hmm. So we're like, Peter, we've just been sh- nearly been shot, blah, blah, blah. He's oh, you making a big deal like this. Right, so that, that apartment lasted um, about, I don't know, about two or three months, and it ended up with a dead body. Basically, while man was fascinated by guns, a guy came over, demonstrated a gun to Wild Man. Yeah. Um, his girlfriend had gone over the road to buy some drugs from the, the dealers, and Wild Man showed, said, "You know, show me our guns, but we don't have them in England." And the guy was showing it him, took his safety off, and the gun went off and shot him in the head. Yeah, I didn't notice, right? So I'm back at the stockbroker office. Um, news. I get a call. Headline news. Someone's been shot in the head. Yeah, my, it, yeah. it was my hands. She's saying the apartment you've rented him. There's, 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 there's police tape all around it. Do not cross. Someone's. I'm thinking he's been shot. So I flew up there in my, in my RX7. Um, I've got a bit of drugs in the car. And like, I'm like, fuck, throwing the drugs out of the car. Gotta find out if Wild Man's been shot. But I got so paranoid when I got there because I was doing drugs and stuff. I, 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 I went away and um, I came back later in the day and um, they took Wild Man, the police. Because they have to test him to see if he'd shot the dude. Mm-hmm. They have this gunpowder test, so they did that. He hadn't shot the dude, they let him go. And um, that was it then, that was the end of that place. He wanted to move out, he was having bad dreams and stuff because the body was on the but, door, but, doorstep. But where's the stun gun on the pussy? Oh yeah, yeah, all right. So here's, here's, what, here's, what, here's what we're getting to, here's what we're getting to. <laughs> That's the background on Wellman. That's right. Fucking hell, kid. Just so people know yeah. right, what we're getting so, into here. All right, come on. Wellman and Wild Woman. Mm. Wild Woman was his bird in Liverpool, right? Mm. They got together because they were the two wildest people in my hometown. She'd got in a bar fight, smashed a pe- bunch of people's heads in with a chair and put them in hospital. Mm. And he was fighting bouncers, so they naturally got together. <coughs> so one day, Wild, Man's, Wild Man tells Wild Woman, I'm going to the shop for a bottle of milk, love. Mm-hmm. And he got on a plane to Arizona. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And while he was here at doing all this stuff that I've just described, he met. We went to this club called the Jungle. Good name for a club, like a striptease place. And we also went to this other club, which was fully nude. <clears throat> so a fully nude dancer was doing a dance. She, she was working at both of these clubs, at the Jungle and this and this fully. Her name, let's call her. Um, Chris, right, all right. We'll call her Christina. Christina. Yeah. That was her name. Yeah, Christina. Yeah. Let's call her Christina. Um, so she's got all these scars all over, like cigarettes, um, fire, and like she's into all this S and M and all this God kind of stuff. You. Now, I think I mentioned on the previous podcast that when I went out to LA and bought the XC and brought it back, we had an apartment party. So Christine is at this apartment party, and um, she shows up with some dude, some bouncer dude, is like a boyfriend. But but Wildman and her are hitting it off, and she asks the dude to go and uh, make her some food. And he goes off and makes her some food and stuff. And um, they've been discussing about how they get off on being tasered because Wildman just loves to be tasered. It, it gives him a sexual and a, and a, a feeling and just a happy feeling. So he he she calls him out and he calls her out and so she goes, "All right, I'll fucking do it if you're not going to do it right here in front of everybody." So they come to me and, and they say, um, here's what's gonna happen. <laughs> so I say to everybody, um, <laughs> can I have your attention please? Like, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. He's ding, 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 ding. This is very similar got, to the- a speech to make. It's yeah. very similar to the time when you did the, the Joe Weller KSI thing, because that was what they were originally gonna do, was uh, taser each other on the balls, <laughs> but they didn't. Uh, I'm imagining him in the middle of, you in the middle of this party just going, Sorry, everyone. You just put the Ferrero Rocher down. Um, <laughs> these two have both got tasers now, and yeah, she's more hardcore than him. Right. So they call each other out, and she's like, "Fuck it, I'm going to do it right now in front of everybody." That's how right. hardcore I am. Great idea. Yeah. So I say, ladies and gentlemen, can ladies I have your attention, yeah. please? 
English politeness kicking yeah. in and um, I say Christine's gonna taser her pussy right now for us all she's right. gonna demonstrate this right. if, you know, if anyone's got a problem with that just, just leave the room everybody else just wants to be quiet and watch <laughs> and, um, you know, this needs like, perfect silence yeah yeah it's like I was introducing some kind of show mm. so she just drops her stuff and gets squats down and it's like those does a, a, a the taser gun thing that's With got the like thing in little, between little, yeah. little blue uh, I'm thinking of Catwoman in Batman Returns yeah so basically she just gets this taser gun mm. and she's sat there with this smile on her face and just starts going up and down a pussy and you know like the little blue electricity things little electricity bolt things they're just dancing up and down up and down right. up and down a pussy and you're just happy with that everybody was yeah <laughs> we were all really impressed because everyone knew it was pretty hardcore yeah but we've never seen this before well, for a normal person what would happen if you got tears out on the arm for example you'd you'd, you you'd wouldn't piss en- your pants yeah you wouldn't enjoy it yeah you'd piss your pants so she's there and like you might do it for a little bit and then think alright I've got I can't take this and she's just doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it mm. and in the end she was like almost coming her eyes were like ah, all this stuff <laughs> and wild man's loving it wild man's loving it what happened then was the, the dude um, she, who, who did sent off to get the food her boyfriend comes back after the, the show and um, Wildman basically says to him I'm with her now thanks for the food and then he grabs the dude's like what, what the fuck are you saying like there's almost a fight and he grabs some of the spaghetti meatballs and he puts it in his mouth there's, they're real fine spaghetti meatballs you cooked up for us wow Wildman whenever a violent situation is going to occur his face gets quite serious and one of his eyebrows rises. That's how I know when he's going to hit someone. Right. <laughs> and that's what happened. One of his eyebrows went up. <laughs> I've got a few stories uh. about that. So they're looking at each other now and the dude just could see this guy's a psychopath. And he went, he, he, Still and he chewing went, on the meatballs. Yeah, and he went left, left my wild man chewing Zena, on the meatballs. Zena looking on in the corner going, I remember when I had one of them. No, yeah. That's pretty serious though, yeah. to uh, take someone else's girlfriend and then the food he cooked for you. Yeah. Like that's Some men have um, little respect for other men when it comes to taking their She women. was living with him yeah. too. But not only that, she was living with him. Food. So him and one of my other big guys <laughs> took her back to get her clothes from his place. It's amazing the situations that people get themselves into, isn't it? And now comes the final part of Sean Atwood and Wild Man. Now, most people consider this one of the best podcasts that we've ever done. I know between True Geordie and I, we certainly do. It's just worth listening to this bit. And after the podcast, you saw these guys walk off into the sunset. I turned to True Geordie and said, that was probably one of the best podcasts we've ever done. And I, I think we just stood there bemused for a few minutes because it was so weird and crazy. Um, and we were very grateful that they came on. So here's the final part. Here's Wild Man, Sean's friend, describing what it was like to arrive in America to see Sean for the first time. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was like, I couldn't wait to get there. And just seeing different things, like cactus. But getting off the plane, it was something fucking else. Just like, like... Imagine like fucking being in the microwave. Mm. As soon as the plane door opened, fucking the hot air just hit you. I thought, wow, almost fifty degrees. Dry yeah. heat yeah. as well. Dry yeah, heat, very yeah, dry heat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Something yeah. you'll have never come into contact with no, in England not or Europe no. before. No. America's a very different air, isn't it? Well, I've never been abroad <laughs> since then either. I've never right. been anywhere. I mean, wow. most people go. To this like, is your first first time abroad. Yeah, most people go like Greece or Spain or you know Portugal for the week. But it's the very first time ever um, in America. Sean didn't want to lower you in gently. Not just at all. Fucking no. flying to Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. are you aware that Sean's on the pro- in the way of becoming a millionaire here? No, not at all. I'm just. I know that he's doing all right for himself, but. I'm just glad that he's got me with the tickets you know what I mean I'm <laughs> and what I'm picking up more and more is like how little you analysed every city like you lived life you know you didn't think about it you just went and did it yeah yeah you? yeah I like that but so you're trying to look out for him at this point yeah and after a few weeks me and the woman I was with at the time we go over to visit him at his place that we rented for him and I knock on the door I'm like Peter Peter the door opens slowly and there's all these Mexican gangsters in there. Well, you will put me in that fucking area. <laughs> they're like looking at me like, who are you? I'm like, where's Peter? Where's Peter? And they're like, Peter, we don't know any Peter. Do you mean Peter? Peter? No, I'm Peter. He literally rented this place for him. <laughs> What's going on? Like, I start yelling, Peter, Peter. 
So then they, they like come at me at the door, pull the guns out, the bird and whips, she's like, oh fuck. And we start like backpedaling away from them, thinking we're about to get shot. And then he walks over the road. He's like, oh, don't worry, la. These are my new mates. They're um, meth and crack dealers. There's a Colombian one who runs the gang. I've rented my place out to them because they like to move around a lot. Clever. And we were like, me and my bird were like, we just nearly got shot, Peter. You could have told us. Yeah. Well, I got a few quid out of it. Yeah. I got a big lump of crack. <laughs> yeah. And plus, they had to, they had to just moved from a place 50 yards down the road, so they said I could stay there. The police had just busted the place. Right. But they were still renting it out. So I could stay there, make sure that fucking... And if any come knocking on the door, say, oh, the new shop's there. Because they like the area, don't they? Schools yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. The new shop's there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were buzzing at how big a crack rock he could do in one breath. How, bi- how big's a crack rock? Depends how big you want to do. But... How big can you get a crack rock? What, what, like, what are you doing, I mean, like $100 you, ones? You can get literally get it kilo size because it, it just it depends how you make it but I was literally most, I mean most people when they smoke crack though they get addicted very very quickly yeah it is were very, you were you like addicted at that point no the first time I'd ever done it and I did a massive rock and it was just like it felt good it felt really good like it was just the best high I'd ever had because it's like instant even that you wait you, you have a dance you need your pole you whatever and LSD was all right, you know what I mean. I like to get get out out your mind a little bit, but and and weed, yeah. But that weed's just like so you know. What was the difference between crack and, and the others? Because the others seem to be quite straightforward. What does crack give you? An instant, instant euphoria. Used to die. Like mm. every single hair on your back, every hair on your head just stands up, and you're like. You're almost just fucking come in your pants there, and then you know what I mean. Right. It's just an absolutely lovely feeling. Yeah, me too. Right. I couldn't stand it. Really? Last a couple of minutes, you're like, and then it's gone. And like, I could take Ian and be happy for five hours. All right, so it wasn't a long-lasting high. No, your long first long. high is only high. Your first hit is only high, and then people just chase it. But I knew that, and I wasn't like that. I just had one big fuck off flat, fat rock and just leave it to the next day. Then uh-huh. it's you, funny though because that that seems quite um, like someone who's quite in control. Yeah, of yeah. What's going on? Were you sort of, were you... Uh... <laughs> you would always say to me, don't let the drugs control you, we control the drugs. Right. That was his Which saying back then. mentality, really, yeah, yeah. thinking of drugs. But was that always the case? Well, I had so many other drugs to do too. Right. A crystal meth to try out. I've never done that before. How, what was the experience with that? It was nice too. It was just like, it was all different experiences. Meth for me is the drug that uh, when you watch TV, it's the ones where it's the model picture, like a, a supermodel taking in. It's the before and after. Yeah. Yeah, she is looking gorgeous, and yeah, she is looking fucking rancid, rancid. After, after the drugs wrecked her. Like, but in my head, I'm like, at some point when the girl sees herself fucking deteriorating, she'll, she'll stop, but they, they, they can't. Why is that? Why can't they stop? They, they don't see it. They don't see it as they've got a problem uh-huh. before the end. It's too late. Once they see it's a problem, they've already got the fucking sores on the face yeah. and they always look, they're already looking fucking fucked up anyway. That's you know the biker I mean? gang drug, isn't it? Meth. That's yeah. what the, the, the hell's angels yeah. Mexicans to Yeah, they make it themselves, don't they? Yeah. And you don't sleep. You don't sleep for days and days Why and not? days. That's the other thing as well. Like, with crack, you got to keep buying it. With meth, people moved from coke because coke, you got to keep buying it. But meth, you do one line, you're, you're high for a day. Really? Oh, yeah, you don't need to sleep or anything. You're superhuman. Did the price reflect that? Like, was meth more expensive or was it all just as cheap as cheap, wasn't it, in Arizona? Because we're right next to Mexico. Right. It sounds yeah. really bad, this, but I never paid for drugs once in America, really. <laughs> sure. It was like 7-Eleven for you downstairs, yeah, basically. Yeah, Yeah. But if, so, if, if Sean wasn't around, I'd, I'd make me own. I don't have to go rob people anywhere. Like or that. you'd have been a millionaire. Maybe Sean was holding you back. <laughs> well, um, that's, that's why he could never deal. He could yeah. never deal. He would just eat any amount of drugs I gave him, he would consume it himself. It's like Brian being a McDonald's dealer. Don't get high on your own supply. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were driving to a rave one time in this car. And we were paranoid about police being behind us. And you're on drugs. Someone, someone in the car, someone in the car, like an ounce. Very to you this one. Someone in the car, someone in the car, an ounce of meth. So we thought, right, someone's got to eat the ounce of meth. And one was like, I'll fucking eat the ounce of meth. And then we get to this rave, Big Bear Lake in California. It was cold up there, and you had no, you were like just sweating, you know. 
I actually felt as if I was going to die on that day. Really. I'm surprised you didn't really. It was just like it was a bit over the top yeah. because the, I mean a bit over the top. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> What a fucking shot's gonna be on a t shirt someday. <laughs> this is a bit over the top, isn't it? I was getting in here. An ounce of meth. Do you want another drink? Oh, five, thank you, Doc. Oh, yeah, we'll have one. Why not? I'll have my own. My God, lad. No, he was, he was during that first trip. Thank you. Which you, you, you did go um, to hospital multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> he'd get really? high on crack and meth and he'd just go walk about. And I wouldn't know where he was for days. He'd show up days later with holes in his shoes. And um, he couldn't even tell me where he'd been or what he'd done. I think if you'd stopped doing that stop broker shit and kept a better eye on me, things like that wouldn't have happened. To your point. To your point. Were you, would you, were you sexually active at that time as well? Oh yeah, I was fucking everything. Because Sean was fucking a lot of very attractive women from the stories he tells us. Yeah. Just to be clear, was that true? Yeah, it was very right. true. Yeah. So were you sort of joining in on this? And none of it was underage. Right, yeah, good. <laughs> you might just hear that worry thing. No, 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 right. He's so were you sort of joining in on that were you you know I don't mean on the same people but you know were you well man met a woman that was into getting tased oh yeah we remember that from right. the episode two if you don't remember she showed up at the house party we were throwing <laughs> with her boyfriend some bouncer dude oh curry and, and obviously um, you've already got a dislike for bouncers real, yeah, yeah that's a real name I asked to stop using yeah let me just make like some people call us out on using different names on different stories we have to change names for legal reasons. Right. So, Brian, um, so, so Brian some of these stories up. might be the same, different names for the same story. Right. Just, just for the, the YouTube viewers. Sean gave yeah, me yeah. this fucking book last week. <laughs> he gave it me like five days ago. He said, listen, read it and make sure you know all the names. Oh, you know who they are, but make sure the, like, the, the legal names or illegal names. Like, fucking hell, talk about pressure. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's your new book, Sean. This is part of time, new Sorry edition, now. almost 100 pages longer than the original edition. What, oh, this wow. one right here? Well, man is throughout that book all of his most crazy stories. Wow. So, just, just so the taser, the taser girl. The right, all right. So the, yeah, right. the taser. So she, yeah, she yeah. like, just to be clear, she likes stun guns on her clit. Let's, let's go we back. She, 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 she just shows up at this house party. With a boyfriend, bouncer. Yeah. She sends a boyfriend off to make some spaghetti bolognese, was it? And then she means a meal. That's an unusual thing to turn up to a party and do, though, isn't it? Well, I actually told us to do it because we were talking, and she was like, as she sat there, she's flashing me a minge anyway. Of course she is. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to bang that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's fucking all right, that. So are you trying to work out ways to get rid of it? That old girl had had two first half, like. She worked at a nude strip club. Yeah. Right. So yeah. she was attractive? Yeah, she was yeah, very attractive. Yeah. Yeah. So skinny or. Skinny, half black, half white, what do you call them? Mulattoes. Mixed, mixed race. Mixed race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the mulatto is kind of duck, isn't it? <laughs> That's a mulatto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, a Mexican duck. So, um, so uh, she's sh uh, flashing your vagina and you're just thinking, how do we get rid of him? I know, spaghetti bolognese. Well, basically, we were talking. And I thought I'd just get him out of the room, and she said she was going to like Cesar. Well, I, I first got the Cesar go out. And I, I started tasering myself a little bit. That was his party trick. He just bust a taser out and just started tasering himself. And people yeah. are gathering around, sort of going, "That's impressive." Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I literally just do it on my arm there. So they'd be I laughing mean, like he was getting tickled, and it didn't hurt. Oh yeah, it hurt. Burn. You can see the mark. I mean, you'd have like a, you know. I wouldn't just do it for this. I'd leave it. To, I, took, I think a minute thirty seconds was the longest I had it on for, but it actually scarred. So, but so she's going on. She shows how to do my pussy. She said, but we've got to get rid of him. I said, oh, we'll get him some extra spaghetti bolognese. Because that, that's, uh, in the kitchen, they had the ingredients for spaghetti bolognese. It's like ready, steady, cooked. That and burritos. Yeah. So she basically sent him in there and then she did the show and like fucking, she, get, she gets a pussy out and I've got the tears out, she gets the clit out and I just zap her and she's just like, ah, she's fucking absolutely fucking Wasn't loving she? it. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking right now? I wonder where she is right now. <laughs> like, She's on my Facebook. She's popped back un up. Un unbelievable. 
Next time we'll so, get her on the phone. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, all right. But um, bring her here. Yeah. Let's see it. Please no, don't. I'm thinking to myself, though, like, imagine being that girl and now we're all having a fucking story. Like, she's legendary. She's yeah. solidified. I guess that's one way of putting it. Yeah. She's like a tattoo model or something now. She's totally down still. She, she would buzz to talk to you guys, I, I guarantee. Brian's ideal. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, you'd love her. <laughs> <laughs> so is this so just to be clear because I'm trying to build up a, a picture of your character at that time yeah were, were you sort of uh, girlfriend to girlfriend or was it sort of just like oh this woman over here this woman Bonnie over here. and Clyde with this one right met her. oh yeah, yeah. yeah it was wild woman wasn't yeah. it, it seems well, a lot she was like, back in England wild woman it seems a lot like you were um, quite lots of met her and I wasn't fucking around right I, was, I didn't need to fucking hell so on the timeline sorry to interrupt lads yeah. Yeah. on the timeline so right now in my head it's like um, you've come to Arizona you've made friends with the uh, the mafia and he's all tall that. wild woman he's gone to get a bottle of milk and jumped on the plane so to Arizona that's the one thing we forgot to let, let, you told your girlfriend at the time yeah. I'm going for a bottle of milk and you got on a plane and went to Arizona yeah. not the one you got pregnant no I said I was going to get a newspaper newspaper sorry, sorry. Right. And then from America he yeah. just didn't tell the whole story yeah. you can't complain I didn't see which newspaper just popping out for the New York Times the what nothing yeah. and then my cousin come and pick me up Harry yeah. and brought me to the airport <coughs> and then when I got deported and went back there I actually went round with the newspaper Oh wow. and she actually took me back in so so you so you'd been mixing with drugs for a while why did you get deported was there, was it just your time there was, was an escalation America? of things right. was there a last <laughs> escalation straw? of drugs escalation of crime uh, escal everything just escalated crime yeah well the I had to leave. How I ended up in this apartment in the first place is where he put me in this Mexican area. There's, um, well, basically, a, a guy come round and having a bit of a party with having smoking some crack and stuff. Just gathering. He's gathering, yeah. Just mm. <laughs> making friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want and, to come um, round for my uh, crack party? Yeah, that sounds <laughs> lovely, yeah. And he's with his girlfriend. His girlfriend goes over the road to score off the Mexicans. So I'm talking to this guy and he's, he's got a gun. And like, it, oh, this is all new to me. I haven't been in America. How long have I been in America then? Months, wasn't it? There's about three months, something You're like that. You're fitting quite well. Getting on, you know what yeah. I mean? To say, I say good morning to me in Spanish around there anyway. Nice. The neighbours like me. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> They're all drug dealers, of <laughs> <laughs> So, cut a long story short, this guy shows me his gun and all that, and then I give it him back. And uh, he said, this is how we do it in America. Put the gun to his head and shot himself on my door dead 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 my, I got a call at the brokerage from my aunt saying you need to go up to Peter's apartment right now it's headline news and there's police tape all over his street he might have killed himself or he might be dead so why did that person kill himself I have no clue Shooting to this accident. day I have no clue to this day yeah. he must have thought the safety was on yeah or uh, yeah like sort of fucking uh, Russian roulette style shit like just that, that needs just, a spinning barrel though. he was on drugs and yeah, it right. was, yeah he was just literally he must have just thought the thing and it was just an offhand comment he was like this is how we do it in America put the gun to his head and I was just expecting to hear like click you know what I mean yeah. fucking hell allowed then yeah. My ears are fucking ringing. What was your reaction? Well, half about worried about my ears and seeing half dead body half in the house, half out the fucking house. First reaction was, oh, fucking hell, what the neighbour's going to say about this? Yeah. You know Actually, what I mean? Yeah. His, his head's fucking got a big hole in it and he's hanging fucking outside the fucking door. Was that the first time you'd seen a dead body? Yeah, it's the first time I'd seen a gun and a dead body. So how, how, how did that impact you? Because for a lot of people... That sort of fucks you up a bit. I didn't really want to stay in that neighbourhood for a while. I stayed there for a couple of weeks afterwards, but it was just kind of... He, said he was having nightmares. I was having nightmares about it. It was a bit weird, you know what I mean? Oh, you were a little bit haunted by it. You fucking would, mate. Like, that's yeah, pretty normal. It, like. it really got got to me a little bit. Like, uh -huh. And I'm thinking, well, fucking hell. I'd go to sleep and I'd, I'd see it repeating my head, repeating my head. And then I'd stop doing drugs for a bit then. I'd started drinking just fucking... What was it called? And fucking... 40 ounces fucking King Cobras oh, right, yeah. malt liquor yeah. and I was just drinking them for a bit and then fucking he wasn't getting along with his roommates either no the Mexicans no no he had some roommates oh right okay and I showed up some dirty smackheads right <laughs> I showed up and Wildman's in their side of the house they're wriggling around on the floor and he's dropping the TV on one, picking it up and then dropping the TV on the other. You make it sound like it's my fault. It's like, right. it, it did provoke him. 
They did provoke him. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. He dropped the TV on his own <laughs> ankle. He dropped the TV on his own right? ankle, and it was that uh, big. Trying to, drop, trying to drop an heroin addict. <laughs> His ankle was that big, and he's like, I'm not going hospital, I'm self-healing. Honestly, this podcast has had some mad shit, right? We've said we've had some mad, mad people like yeah. that. <laughs> he's sitting I mean, right there. No, Ten times madder than me. Favorite, yeah. One of Ten my favourite lines ever is the guy shot his fucking own face off. He's fucked up about it, and then he goes, and he wasn't getting on with his roommates. Yeah. <laughs> People said I was mad. What the fuck? Looking at your podcast, I was a mental person. Wild man's stuff, ten times more mental. Oh, let's but, get but, into that. But they did provoke you, didn't they? Yeah, they did provoke me. He just lifted needles and shit around in my house. He warned them right. not to leave needles on his side in the bathroom and stuff, and they left needles. <laughs> he had, he, he could have, have, have stood on it and contracted something. Did warn him. An eye for an eye. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same with it, like, you know, if you leave your toothbrush out, you know, and, uh, and a dummy you know. ankle link and dumb ass with my fucking aim, he must have wriggled his head, you know, just went to get right uh, on his head. But I got half the ankle as well. So did they recover from that? Yeah. Oh yeah, they were well stopped. I didn't kill him. They weren't dead. They were <laughs> all right. <laughs> so you end up going home after after this all gets too much. No, the, no, he, he, no. he moves me to say This is just his way. first residence, right? This, oh, really? this is like the escalation. Yeah. No, I don't want it. I don't yes. want it. The escalation is just beginning. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> this is this is the. <laughs> He looks a sort with the Mexican mafia guys and all this other stuff, and he's got Russian mafia coming uh, over at his next place. Right, so, there's a place before that, wasn't it? The Gangster Disciples place. Yeah. He put his head through the wall. Well, I couldn't leave yeah. the country anyway at that point because the police, the homicide guy and them, so they, they took me down and they took my passport off me. Right. Because they wanted you not to go anywhere because you yeah, were technically exactly. a suspect at that yeah, point. Yeah. Right. So, I was, I was there for. Actually, it was at the apartment for about. I'd say about. It happened within six weeks of me being there. Probably, so probably, yeah. probably there about twelve weeks, and then wow, the homicide people come, and I thought, oh, sounds get my passport back, and they did. They come up and said, class that has what was it? Shooting accident. Shooting accident. Yeah. Wow. And they, but uh, you, did you have drugs in the house? They didn't come and investigate the house th- because the overwhelming is he consumes all his drugs immediately. Right. <laughs> so if the police come into his house, they're in his body. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But the thing is. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's a there's a Netflix series on right now called um, The Staircase, where the girl's found at the bottom of the staircase, and their husband did he do it? Did he not do it? Yeah, oh, right. And, and with and with you, I don't know. There's a guy with a hole in his fucking head and and a, and a, and a smoking gun there. Yeah. I mean, realistically, looking at you and the behaviour that you showed prior yeah. to that, you did well not to get fucking the blame. I for did. Did you go powder test? Shows you shot the gun. Oh right. right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. They took me down there and all that, <coughs> but let me go. But they took my passport. So they must have thought you definitely did it at, before they did the test. They were known right away. Yeah. 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 Right. And so after that, where do you then go? Um, Gangster Disciples apartment on the west side. What does that oh, mean? Oh, uh, yeah. Gangster Disciples. What is <laughs> this? Is all a joke. What does any of this mean? Gangster Disciples. It genuinely sounds like an area in Grand Theft Auto or something like that. Well, this it? is like you know, you say, this is him keeping me out of trouble. He puts me in these areas. I know safe bit. Gangster Disciples. He sets me fucking up, doesn't he? You know what I mean? Out of trouble. Yeah. So who are the Gangster Disciples? <laughs> Remember, the, they put his head through the wall. Yeah, so I go, up, I go up there and sign for this place for a while, man. So this is a new place? Yeah, I say, my cousin's over, you know, he's visiting from England to tell the, the, the rental place. You know, he's, he's a good lad, we want to just keep him in here for a bit, blah, blah, blah. And, you're, um, you're still earning million, like the big money. Not, yeah, I'm not into, this is just the first visit. Right. He comes back in the late 90s when I've got the big money. But you're still quite well off yeah. at that point. I'm, I'm coming up making hundreds of thousands. Okay, so you yeah, can yeah, yeah. Put a little apartment somewhere for him. You're okay at cool. that point, right? Well, I do that, yeah, but you'll see what happens to them. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm putting him a, a safe distance from my house right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> this is nice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Come to America, but stay away from me out. Arms length. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I bring you to the area I live. That's, that shows the friend. So, he, yeah. moved, he moved in, the, in there with these two women. And um, this gangster disciple dude who thinks he's tough, he's a bouncer. He's got his cowboy accent. Did again. you not see the problem? They haven't even cashed my check at the rental place. And I get a call saying, um, Peter's been evicted. Mm. 
because oh he's put his roommate's head through the plasterboard wall. He tries to sell me house. These are flat rules. <laughs> these are house rules, by the way. I said, I said. There's one. Boom. I, I said, did you see him putting this guy's head through the plasterboard wall? And right. he said, no, we didn't see him putting his head through the plasterboard wall. But numerous of the neighbours saw the guy running scared for his life through the complex with powder all over his head and face. And there's a hole in the wall. But right. he could have tripped. Yeah. You know I mean? Just to be clear, did, just accusing me. Did he, did he trip? No, I didn't. Right. He right. did think he was a tough guy, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He fucked up, didn't he? He did. He, he picked did. the wrong one. <laughs> yeah. He picked the wrong guy. Yeah. That, that happens to me today, though. There's some people, some people sort of give it that and you, you look at it and you think, oh, you just, you picked the wrong guy. I mean, yeah. You fucked Whoever up. Whoever looks at you and thinks, I start a fight with him. <laughs> I, I tell you what, there was a guy pulled in I was, as I was waiting for a taxi the other day, pulled in right in front of us and he sort of, he went to sort of give a finger wagging in the passenger seat and I just looked him dead. <clears> like I was dead inside like look I think I'll, I want you to do it I'll fucking yeah, do it. your soul mate yeah. honestly and then he just so, and he just like put his hand yeah. like that for you. <laughs> you came so close eh? I like the story you were when you were doing the diving and you all go into the bar and you start singing the songs in the Scottish oh, bar Christ <laughs> you, know, like you, you got a dollar to jiu-jitsu hall or something you got this guy by Oh yeah. So that was uh, that was that was that was my story on the uh, <laughs> DC dive one where um, yeah. two two guys started on one of my mate. They both had pool cues, and uh, I ended up putting uh, one of them to sleep. Basically, just yeah. to be clear, you know you've got a wild story when Wildman said to you, "I like that story." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a badge of honour. Yeah. Yeah. That's like Alan Shearer saying, "You like the goal I scored." Yeah. Yeah. If you scored any goals, he's that one. So there you go. If Wildman endorses your stories, you know you're doing something right. We know we're doing something right on the True Geordie podcast. You guys keep coming back for it. So we'll see you next week, I suppose. Uh, Normal service will be resumed on the YouTube channel and on the podcast feed. But for now, thank you very much to Beer52 for sponsoring this. Head to beer52.com forward slash true. It's well worth a look and a really good offer. Link is in the description. Oh, man. Just thinking about Wildman and Sean sitting at that table makes me want to get them back for another podcast. Um, tweet at them. Tweet at True Geordie as well. And we'll see you again for another installment of the True Geordie podcast. Uh, it's a good one next week. It's very good. Uh, probably out sometime. See you in a bit. Bye.